second action. And the actors are acting in front of you. It's as if they're acting only for you. I don't restrict their performance. You can never tell from an actor, from a leading actor, what he's going to do. Act yourself, figure out how to rehearse. You just have to do it. Try to not over-talk it or overthink it. Leave some mystery to happen. Because I was an actor myself, I know what they're going for. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dean and this is Bucky and we are talking about playing to camera. Do you want it real or do you want a copy of another film? This is the reasons why you shouldn't let your actors play to camera. Um, what does that mean, playing to camera? Well, let's talk about the origins possibly of playing to camera. Is I remember back when I was a wee young lad and... Not everyone owned a video camera and my dad got access to a video camera. He bought one for family vacations and, you know, what you did is you used to plug the camera into the TV and that would be your like monitor and you could see yourself on the TV and then even the camcorders had like a little screen as well and you could flip the screen over and you could see yourself acting on on screen and, you know. And because it's camera and it's kind of like, what do we associate cameras with? Movies, Hollywood, acting. So it's like, hey, son, you're on camera. Act. Do something. Be crazy. Do something. And you would act to the camera. You're like, look what I can do, you know. Dad, look at this bomb I can do in the pool. Dad, look at this cartwheel I can do. Look at this, Dad. Look at that. Look at me being silly. And that's what we used to do as kids is act in front of that camera and i don't know psychologically you know some of your actors can do that as well like you're playing to a camera you're playing to an audience you're playing to those people in the audience which could be your family or your friends and you want to impress them you want to show them how amazing you know your acting skills or abilities can be you're showing them that hey look at me you know it's your friend underneath this makeup i'm i'm doing this crazy amazing performance so we don't want that i mean there are places for that um that we will talk about where you know like you know if it's a character that's breaking the fourth wall then you do want that um, actor to be playing somewhat to an, an audience or a camera. Um, but yeah, we'll discuss that. Now, I just want to mention the difference between, you know, playing uh, to the camera and playing at the camera. Like playing to to the camera is very similar to a stylized way which um, Kubrick and Jonathan Demi have been known to do, like um, the film Silence of the Lambs where you have Anthony Hopkins' character looking directly at the camera. He's playing to it in a sense that, you know, it's it's another person, it's another um, character. It's, it's Jodie Foster's character and he's looking her in the eyes. So, um, you know, where Kubrick's infamous, you know, character stare is also kind of transcending the idea of breaking, you know, that fourth wall and and being, you know, in touch with a singular person in in the audience. And I know, Michael and it's also Cam- like a power struggle as well. They talk about that in that every frame of painting uh, episode, that video essay. 
about breaking the fourth wall and they talk about you know depending on where they're looking if she's looking if they're looking at or or, or away from the camera slightly to the left or slightly to the right there was a power dynamic and it was all intentionally purposed of like psychologically showing who's winning the game in the conversation yeah you know so that was a very check that out every from painting and just find the one about silence of the lamps check it out yeah it's uh yeah it's a very very good um very good educational youtube channel um but here's here's the the example that i wanted to give is um is michael kane talks about uh you know breaking the fourth wall when uh when you as an actor and he does it in the uh in the film alfie alfie where thank you where he um where he talks to the audience as if you know it's it's another person there now he's mentioned this before i believe in his acting classes and you know maybe in some interviews that he said there is a huge difference when i'm actually talking when i'm when i'm doing that uh monologue when i'm when i'm doing that speech and i'm talking to like everyone in the audience you know, uh, as opposed to, you know, you know, I'm basically looking at the camera and treating it as if it's just a singular person that's sitting in that dark theater watching me because exclusively it's, it's a very personal thing that when you go to the theater, you're actually, um, there's a reason why it's actually really dark and really kind of, you know, lit and it's it's enclosed and it makes you feel like you're actually, even though there's all these people around you, it makes you feel like you're there voyeuristically looking at this person's life and you're kind of going through it yourself. So he says that he's aiming to target one person in that audience which means when they're watching it it feels much more personal much more um you know much much more authentic i guess so um so what what you're trying to actually uh achieve as a filmmaker is allowing your actors to actually have uh, a focus that's that's driven for the scene and not driven for the crew for the audience for the director Right, because there's a huge difference when you have an actor that that's um, composing himself to actually perform for the camera and and composing himself to to uh, accomplish what they need to do for the scene. And there's there's a difference of an actor that's preparing himself uh, where they are in this moment to uh, just before you call action to get themselves ready in order to uh, pull themselves together quote-unquote, to get into character in order to, to actually do the, 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 the scene. Now, that crossover is basically, um, unless it's actually done for the other characters in the scene or for themselves, if they're by themselves, it becomes a way of uh, performance for camera, for people around them, for you know, pulling yourself together because there's a self-consciousness that this thing's about to happen. We're about to shoot. Action is about to come through and, you know, I need to get myself ready and it's a gearing up of things that, that need to happen. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing for actors to do that. What I'm saying is the the best of the actors can actually um, incorporate everything that's going on around them and put that into put that into the scene and allow it uh, such things as as the camera to actually be there, but not be there as their primary focus. So this 
brings me to another topic of the method actor, the method actor and their huge misconception, which I hear all the fucking time. I hear it, you know, you hear it through the media, you hear it through other actors, you hear it through directors, you hear about these, you know, method actors, they stay in character and they come and they, you know, they've prepared to do all this and they're just so in it and they're in the zone and, you know, they're, they're just done all this stuff and, you know, they're so like special and they put them in a box and what, no, the misconception is the method actor, all they're trying to do is they're trying to create that illusion that there is no start, middle and end. There is no just before you're about to take uh, that I am myself and then as you call action, I'm getting ready or revved up to do the scene and then you're doing the scene as the character. For them, there's no transition from those three steps. It's just uh, a smooth kind of uh, pull from where they are to, to staying in that space to when it's called action, then nothing really changes, you know. And it's akin to some some other point that I wanted to make is like I've made before where, you know, you have a person that walks into a supermarket and they're about to purchase a bag of apples. They go to purchase those apples and, you know, day to day, you know, most people that they go shopping, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Unless you're a celebrity, nobody's going to turn around and actually look at, oh, he's shopping for apples. Oh, I got to pay attention to that. No, it's a sense of... um you know, they're kind of in in their own, uh, you know, in their own state of their affairs that they're not really focusing on all the other crap that's going on. Now, the challenge is as a person walking into a supermarket, buying a bag of apples, suddenly if everyone was going to turn around and, and look at that person, there would be that hypothetical, you know, pulling yourself together similar and akin to to what the actor does in order to do the scene um, just purely because everyone is suddenly watching and expecting you to do something that expectation is to do something and this is where we come to the idea of the expectation of the camera being there the expectation of the lights the sound the crew all the people around them it's 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 kind of, you know, it's it's kind of similar to, to, to the person buying the bag of apples where the actor, um, if their primary focus isn't on buying those apples, let's say it's the same scene, um, whereas they would do it just out of their outside normal lives, well, suddenly they're focusing on, you know, all the, you know, secondary things, which is, camera the lights the where they need to be what they and that's understandable that's that's all there that's that's all worked out that's all rehearsed and blocked and staged but um once it crosses over to them facing the camera a certain way or you know um making sure their eyeline is a certain way or looking a certain way um that's where you're in trouble you know, and I think Paul Thomas Anderson said it. He said, I don't like actors that know their best side, you know, their best feature. He goes, I don't care about working with those actors. You know, I want to see the ugly humanity. I want to see people that don't, that are more interested about telling the story. So um, you have to be very aware of 
the that kind of crossover of you know as you're about to do the scene and I, I think we've mentioned before that Clint Eastwood he doesn't he doesn't call action and he knows because of that reason because it scares the horses similar to why it scares the actors but um the act the the the, the camera in itself is like I think it's 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 like the sun. Do you know what I mean? The sun is there, right? It's always been there. You can't you can't get rid of the sun. Like you, you walk outside, it's 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 there, but it's it's not your primary concern unless you're sunbathing, which is like breaking the fourth wall, you know. So it's there. You know the sun's hitting you, like the camera's hitting you, but you you're not consciously looking into the sun with your eyes. Otherwise, you get burnt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a really great analogy. I love that. You know, like we always constant, we always know where the sun is, you know, where is it hitting our face? Is it hitting our back? Is it hitting our side? Is it glaring? Are we in the shadow? Are we not? You know, we know, we, we subconsciously know where the sun is. And the only time we will look at it is if we're, you know, you know, it, like we will get burnt if we, if we do acknowledge it, um, and you know, and then, yeah, and then it will become a factor if we are sunbathing. As like you said, breaking the fourth wall characters, or you know, the character is a bad actor, maybe, or the character is a really needy person is looking for attention, and there's a documentary like you know, like Michael Scott, you know, seeing the camera and noticing it, and like, hey, I'm also sub communicating to these people that you know, like I'm the star of the show. This is my this is my jam, or Ricky Gervais in the office. Yeah. Um- what I wanted to kind of mention is like, um, you know, what, 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 what Dean and I just kind of mentioned in terms of the sun analogies is like, um, you still, you still realize that the sun's there. It's still hitting you. Right. But it's, it's, you're not trying to dismiss it completely. You can't because it's still hitting you on, on the face. It's still, it's still consciously kind of there, which is very akin to, to the camera or the audience or whatever it is. Um, and I just wanted to read a quick quote from a very famous director, acting teacher, um, you know, and actress of her time, Yuta Hagen. So, quote, since the actor's super objective is communication, having a wall, even an imaginary one between the actor and the audience would be absurd and counterproductive. Right. Which. um what what she's trying to say there is no and and she taught acting and and her idea was to to build you know uh and uh, kind of an i'd say a a space where you have the the ability to to create a fourth wall to create a, a side with with the audiences um is not the primary objective. It's not the, the primary focus. It's the secondary focus. What she's trying to say is, which most actors and most directors or people that know about acting, they, they, they get a misconception, is I build a wall and that wall blocks me out completely from anybody that's, that's beyond that. Meaning, if I build this world around me and, and, and there's these cameras and lights and everything that's around me, I'm going to shut all that out. No, that's bananas. She's saying that that's counterproductive because you can't not see it. Like it's 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 there. The camera's there. The You'd have to be crazy. But your primary focus 
is on the scene on what's going on between two people, between um, whatever the scene is about. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, as an example, we can we can use a character that has a phone conversation, right? We we take just general character A talking on the phone in his lounge room by himself. He's he to, he's talking on the phone to his mother, let's say his parent. When when you're shooting this actor um, and you're looking at you know uh, let's say it's a close up they're on they're on the phone and and the reason I use this is because there's a lot of examples on you know in films characters on on the phone when when you watch and you guys can go find any film that that you see when you watch the actor talking on the phone where is their primary focus is it on what's going on with that person on the other end of the line or is it focused on how they are adjusted to camera the adjustment to camera i know it's a tech, technical thing and i i i completely understand it um is is there but we're actually the the best directors like where the 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 greatest of directors kind of stand is you know um unless it's unless it's a close up unless it's something that like he wants you to see your eyes you know there's the adjustment is on the basis of who they are talking to on the phone that being said even though you are talking to somebody on the phone doesn't mean that your eyes are glazed over and you're not seeing anything uh secondary right so if we have the example of character a talking on the phone and it's it's to their parent and depending on what's being said you know they're their outward concentration could be on a painting across across the room or the clock that's hung on the wall. It's not their primary uh, concentration, their their primary target, but it is their uh, focal point that's outward, right? Um, so that adjustment is very very similar to how camera is is operational in the scene. It's very secondary to to an actor, right? Um, and if you guys want to go see a really good uh, scene with a person talking on a phone, go look at uh, Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro, where he's talking to um, uh, Sybil Shepherd's character. Sybil Shepherd, thanks. Sybil Shepherd's character, um, and you you look at his primary uh, sense of concentration. It's it's not on uh, the camera or where Scorsese is pointing. He's not playing two camera. He's not turning around and and looking at the camera and facing a certain way he's very involved um with that person on the phone um purely because he's there by himself and it's a very private thing you know and the camera kind of dollies over and it's you still hear him talking but it's a sense of like this is a very kind of you know private moment of like you know what's happening absolutely and you know going back on a, on a few things that that Bucky was talking about you know what i mean like when you're shooting a documentary you don't go lights, camera, action to your documentary subject if you're doing an interview. You know, generally what they'll do, the the director will talk very quietly to the director, are we rolling? Or the camera person will say, yeah, we're rolling, cool, all right. And we'll make that person comfortable. Even when we're recording the podcast, you know, like the the tip of keeping your subject comfortable is you have a conversation before that joe rogan and tim ferris both do this is that they'll be talking to the guest before to keep them very very comfortable and then once there's like a momentum and rolling there's a confidence of like this is going to be a good time this is going to be a nice easy conversation 
then they'll start rolling and saying, okay, cool, let's keep continuing where we left off and now we're recording, let's go. It's not like, okay, everyone stop, everyone, you know, places everyone, is everything switched on and, okay, stop, okay, let's focus and, okay, now we push record and action. It's, no, it's very free-flowing and forming. So you kind of want to, you know, there's an element to that as well. Um, which is what we talked about, that relaxation thing in the podcast. Not only does it do that, but now we're saying it also prevents this playing to camera. And in saying that as well, like the actors that you hire on set, you know, like there are going to be some actors that will want to be in character all the time. But I want to just preface this in saying like there are some actors that are really good at turning it on and turning it off on a dime. And they just happen to be just a little bit more talented than the actors that are playing it all the time you know what i mean and it's not to say that like one's more talented than the other but a lot of different actors have different methodologies and different different ways of keeping relaxed and present so you know like apparently brando would talk to the crew members you know like before before action but what he was talking about with the act with the crew members was in par with what was going on in the scene he was still working, but on the outside was appearing that he was casually just chatting to crew members or the other actors on set. But what he was doing was still keeping the the pot warm, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, don't judge your actors or require them to be an actor because it's going to give them a better performance. Just know that different actors work certain ways and you should be um, accounting to them and, and just let them... Let them do what they do um, in order to to be present and real. Um, And, yeah, and going back in terms of, like, capturing private moments, if you want to see, like, really private moments, go to a nursing home. Go to a nursing home and, like, walk down the corridors um, and look at the elderly residents in their bedrooms. They are so private. They are so in the moment they're not performing they're not doing anything they're just there they're just like they're staring off into space they're you know reading a book or they're watching television or they're taking their pills or they're eating a meal or they're like looking at old photographs like they are there and so present and so real but then the minute you they know that someone's watching them then you know, they might put on a show. They might go, oh, now my back is a little bit more sore than it was because now I'm not performing. They might say, oh, my back is sore for me. And, you know, just to remind myself, but then they might do it differently and, you know, outward, outwardly communicate to you that their back is sore. So then you know, so you can either feel sympathy for them or you can give them help in relieving their pain. That's a very good point. Dean just demonstrated something. There's a difference between privacy and and being, you know, personal. Like um, this moment between Dean and I is like personal. It's just him and I in this in this podcast room. We're just recording this. But um, him and I have known each other and we have a rapport. And if somebody else was to step into this room, our attitude would, would change. You know, if more people were to step into this room, our attitude would keep changing based on, um, you know, who those people are and what, you know, they bring to the room. You know, that's, that's our attitude. We're the seamless kind of, and this is a term used um with Stanislavski is the public solitude, meaning that 
being solitude in part, being private in public, not necessarily to like what you would do in your own private room. That's another consideration, um, but also to being, you know, like you like you would go shopping for this bag of apples, you know. So this this is a very good good point that that you bring, and um, I think. I think on the basis of of how the camera and how the crew and how playing to those uh, things are in in the scene of what's what's required, um, it's it's the same as like I said, you know, all these people stepping into this room and changing the dynamic of this podcast. If there was a hundred people in this audience, right, actually physically sitting in front of Dean and I, and we're doing this podcast, there would there would certainly be some sort of change in us because evidently there's a hundred people sitting in an auditorium watching this live um, to where it is just him and I. Um, but the illusion is to, to create him and I without that audience, even though that, that audience is still there. And, um, you know, partly it's, it's the, you know, it's the artifice of having everything such as, you know, the, 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 the crew, the, 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 the grip gear, the camera, the lights, the whatever that's there, that that good actors, you know, and good directors set up a situation where that's not the primary focus, you know. And we've talked about the Safdie brothers before, but they tend to lean a lot on trying to kind of get things in the moment and trying to like throw their actors off like not not doing it on purpose, but in a sense, not to kind of lock them into like playing into camera or like you know locking in the the camera a certain way, staging it a certain way. That um, you know most of these scenes, especially their large crowded scenes outside that they shoot, they tend to be very um, you know they tend to be the general public. They tend to be very very open, um, and there's a reason why they do that is because they feel like that the characters. Um, tend to act the, the the protagonists of the film. They tend to react a lot more naturally, you know, and and maybe the crowd re- reacts naturally to them, you know. And I heard that story of um, when they were shooting Uncut Gems, that they were doing it in the streets of New York, and they had like undercover cameras, they had like long lenses um, that they gave you know Adam Sandler a lot of space, you know, and as he was walking down the street and you know on his phone and he was doing what he needed to do for the scene, he felt like he was, you know, he was really in New York amongst all these people. There was no crew, there was no lights, there, you know, none of that existed. Um, and they created that sense. That's why it looks so authentic. That's why I like that flow of that film is so insane, like in a good way um, and, and very kinetic. Like it just feels like you don't know like what, what the characters are going to do, what's going to happen, you know, and that's partly t- to how they set it up. That, you know, they even said at certain points when he was walking down the street, Adam Sandler, they had like random people, you know, their fans come up to him and try to get signatures where they had to get crew to basically act as like foreigners and and say, hey, can you show me the, to the, you know, uh, the way to Manhattan Bridge or whatever in order to, to distract them, you know, so he can do his scene, you know, and it was just brilliantly staged that way. Um, just to get authenticity because even though they wrote the script 800 times and they might have perfected it, the fact that they still thought that they could bring something, you know, something just there and happening and bringing all the artifice back into the background, you know, created something so kinetic, 
um, you know, so which I've heard Paul Tom Sanderson does that as well. You know, I've heard I've heard some interviews with his crew, you know, with his gaffer and his cameraman and people that worked on set. You know, he tends to be very heavily focused on not really blocking down where the you know where the action of the camera would be, where the lights would be. You know, so he would tend to light for most of the space, not face. Um, and, you know, even when he's shooting, um, you know, most of his crew say that expect to, you know, get the actors to move in a place where we don't know they're going to move because that's, that's, that's a typical Paul Thomas Anderson. And that's why, you know, his films or his characters always feel like there's, you know, an unknowingness of what they're going to do next because obviously the actors don't know what they're going to do next. They don't, you know, they're not locked to where the camera has to be, to where the lights are hitting them and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's like um, he uses, like he hired like real jewelers to play jewelry people, like that selling jewelry on the Safety Brothers in Uncut Gems. Mm. Like they hired like real jewelers to sell to Adam Sandler's yeah. char- character and to barter with him. And you know what I mean? If you were like, okay, so we're going to set the lights so it's directly on you and, you know, and then you have to like have all your things ready to be able to sell this jewelry. You need the box to put the, the ring in and you need the rings and you need the cash register on the side and stuff. But if you like the whole room and you give that jeweler, that person, that non-actor, the space to be in their store and to to run the store as they normally do, then they're going to be a lot more natural. Do you know what I mean? But then if you have to rejig their whole store in order to set up like some artificial bullshit in order to capture, you know, a day-to-day life in a jewelry store, then you're... You take that real person that's doing a real thing out of it, but then if if everything's set up the way they are and they're free to move, you just tell that 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 real person that that's that's doing that's that's recreating what they do in real life. You just say, just sell sell Adam Sandler this ring. Yeah, you know, you just tell them that as a simple direction. That's all you need to tell. You don't have to be like, okay, I want you to do this, and you're having a shit day, and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Just. Just sell, just sell them the ring. Pretend Adam Sandler's a customer. Go for it. Yeah. Know? Look, pe- people might say, yeah, that's that's very stylized. You know, they have their own certain certain way of doing it. What Dean and I are basically conveying is, um, look at their actors' performances. Like, that's that's where we're focused on and how to build around those performances. You know, there's there's plenty of other ways of doing it. Plenty plenty of other methods. These are some of the methods of these directors being able to accommodate to get performances um and it's it's not an easy way of doing it but it certainly is an authentic way of like conveying that and i know that they've mentioned to like you know obviously shooting the master shot first shooting the wide you tend to kind of figure it out after doing it a few times the actors kind of start to feel their way into the scene that they tend to go in the same places that when you get to the close-ups or the mids or whatever it is they tend to end up in the same place that you can kind of light it, you know, for those mids, for those close-ups. But certainly um, giving him that kind of freedom and um, ability not, not so much to, to, to pay attention to the, to the camera first off is a blessing because I, I'll give you this example. Um, you know, if you look at people like, uh, you know, sports athletes, 
elites at the highest level. So like the one percentile, if you look at, you know, like um, let's say tennis players or soccer stars or football stars, the the best of the best, the 1% of them, when they come to perform, when they come on court, let's say to play tennis, the, no matter whether it's 50,000 capacity or five people sitting there, their attention is always focused on uh, playing the game. It's not on the audience's reaction. And I'm not talking about the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh ranked tennis player or football player, whatever it is. I'm talking about like the superstar. I'm talking about the, you know, the top of the top. Your Federer's, your Nadal's, Nadal's your, your Serena Williams. That's it. We're talking about the the top of the top, the ones that are able to come on court, whether they're booing them, whether they're cheering them, they're still giving the same performance. And that's that's akin to the method of like um, having the actor to go through the scene, whether, you know, stuff is falling around them or it isn't. Like it's still a part of uh, the scene. They don't like completely shut it out because like, you know, you're Nadal, you're Federer, Serena Williams, they'd, they'd still know that the audience is there. They're not crazy, yeah. right? But their focus is on, you know, trying to hit the ball across the net, trying to take it one step at a time. And that that um, atmosphere, um, however you set it up, uh, is very, very beneficial to get uh, good authentic performances, you know. And Paul Thomas Anderson, back back to him, you just reminded me there was a an interview a while ago that I read. He tended to f- to to figure out that he was more successful using longer lenses, um, you know, like a seventy millimeter plus, to do close ups because he can place the the camera further away. So it's more, you know, it's more freeing. It doesn't kind of lock up the, you know, lock up the actor, um, which he he found it through his way he was searching for something to see um he didn't want the actor i guess to play to the camera to be like okay this is a close-up now i'm gonna i need to this is my eyeline i need to be doing this i need to be doing that whereas you have somebody like christopher nolan um i think uh, al pacino working on insomnia he you know he likes to have a very very close camera to his actors because he feels like the intimacy of the camera is like another person that al pacino has said yeah that that really works for him because at least he knows where he's at kind of to to work with that um but within those guidelines i think when you f- if you find your own way to to allow the actor not to hypothetically you know be thinking about you know everybody staring at them in in that supermarket while they're shopping for apples well you've done your job whatever that may be whatever that method may be yeah for you yeah and also like in terms of an actor playing to camera like that also means playing to an audience on in, on the stage in the theater and if your actors are susceptible to an audience if they're playing to an audience if they're relying on the audience if an audience starts clapping and cheering that will alter the performance if an audience starts to boo or to be disengaged or they're not interested that's going to affect their performance as well you know if you're doing it like when actors do a theater show you know if they're not you know like you'll get laughs and claps on different moments on different nights depending on who's in the audience and depending on how well the everything's going and flowing and that can affect an actor the actor will be like they're not they're not clapping today what's going on what's happening you know and then they they're trying to like you know now they they now they put on a little bit of a shtick 
to try and get those laughs because they're like they're they're supposed to be laughing. Why are they laughing? What's happening? But then you know at the end of the show, then they'll they'll the audience will like maybe clap like really loudly and they're like, well, they didn't laugh throughout the thing. Like we were we were waiting for that 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 instant feedback. But sometimes there are people out there that just like you know are quiet laughers, or they're quiet. You know they don't react so loudly. You know, but then you have like some audiences where there's one person that just l- laughs out loud all the time at every little joke, and then that encourages all the other audiences to go like, "Oh, that's really funny. Oh, we should be laughing at this bit. This is a funny. This is a comedy. This is a play. We're supposed to be laughing." And then it gives permission to other people in the audience to to laugh. So this is all. I mean, it's, this sounds like a for actors, but this is this is something you need to take note as a director that if an actor is worried about the audience, you know, or the or the other people, the crew, or like you know, being popular amongst the crew and the other cast members, that's going to affect them. Because if they're paying attention, that means oh, that means I'm really on fire. Like this is like a really important moment. Like everyone's loving what I'm doing. Oh my gosh! But then there might be another day or another night that they're filming, and then no one's interested. Everyone's on their phones. Maybe there's something on the news has happened, and everyone's more interested on the phones. Or there's another conversation that they're having, or you know, things are going on in their day where they're not really watching the performance because they've got other shit going on. And then the actor's going to be like, oh, no, now I'm worried about that as opposed to my performance. Oh, I must be shit because no one's saying anything or no one's looking at me as much as that other scene. So, yeah, the more that uh, actor is less interested in what other people like a crew or cast or an audience thinks about the performance, the better they will be and more present they will be. All right, that's really good. Shall we leave it? Yeah, let's end it there. And guys, uh, if you're liking the podcast, um, let us know what you think. Uh, you can get us on act, uh, talk at actordirectortalk.com. Um, and if you think uh, there's directors or anyone that you think will benefit from this podcast, uh, share it to them. You know, we don't we don't charge anything for this podcast. We don't have any advertisements on this podcast. Um, so, you know, if you could do anything to support this podcast, if you could recommend it to a director or another actor, if you don't know many directors, uh, that would be very greatly appreciated. So we don't ask for anything, but if you can share to one or two people, that would be amazing. Even to share it on your uh, Facebook feed or an Instagram story, uh, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, and also you can check out our Instagram page. Uh, I post a lot of uh, quotes from other directors um, of all different types. So there's a lot of information there that we post that isn't repeated on the podcast. So if you're looking for more information about how to direct actors, uh, that's also a great resource that we provide for you for free. Thank you.